So here we are, episode 7 of Chopped, Strength Through Vulnerability. As I said in the previous episode, I've run out of northern colloquialisms for hello, and I was just going to dive straight in today without any sort of colloquial greeting. But then at the last minute, and this is genuine, one of our listeners all the way over in Australia, Australia, suggested, G'day. So G'day, choppers. Um, If I'm being perfectly honest, I wasn't really sure what I'd base this episode of the pod on and I thought I was going to waffle on about podcasts. But then a few things have happened by chance that have sort of determined the content of this week's episode. The universe sort of took over editorial control, which I'm grateful for as I wasn't sure how engaging me wittering on about podcasts would have been. Saying that, I am going to mention a few different pods I like and also a podcast I've never been brave enough to listen to, which links to a Storyville documentary I happened upon earlier this week that I thought I'd share with you, as it's a really powerful piece of television. So I do listen to and enjoy a variety of podcasts. I found them the perfect accompaniment in my previous job, which involved quite a bit of driving around Cornwall. And as one of the older chaps on my team was fond of saying, when we're marching, we're not fighting. I'll leave that one with you. Way back in the first episode of this pod, I mentioned Blind Boy. I love Blind Boy. He's a wonderfully engaging orator over a wide and eclectic range of topics. Highly recommended. The first podcasts I ever listened to were that Peter Crouch podcast and Quickly Kevin, Willie Score which is a 90s-based football pod. Both are brilliant. Over the last 12 months, I've been listening to a fair bit of both The Rest is History and The Rest is Politics. Both great listens if you've an interest in politics or history. And recently, I've been listening to Stephen Bartlett's The Diary of a CEO. In the blurb, he states, I launched the podcast with the simple mission of unfiltering success and giving you the knowledge you need to create the life you want. Which sounds brilliant, doesn't it? I feel like I'm at a significant crossroads in my life at the moment. I can't go back to my old life. That's gone. And if I'm honest, there are a lot of elements to my new life that I like. Had I not lost my arm, I wouldn't have been fortunate enough to take my son to school for the last eight months. I pretty much missed out on taking my daughter to school as I was teaching myself. It's a blessing to drop my boy off, watching him run around in the morning with his little mates and seeing his smile when he sees me at the end of the school day. It really is life-affirming. Given what's happened, I really love having the opportunity to do the school run. Had cancer not taken my arm, I wouldn't be writing this pod. I wouldn't have set up my own embryonic lifestyle brand both of which I've really enjoyed doing. However, I do often think if through some freakish combination of events my arm could be magicked back into place and I could step back into my old life, would I? I enjoyed my old life. That's not to say it was perfect, it wasn't. It had plenty of challenges, but on the whole, it was a life I was quite content with. If I could, as Stephen Bartlett says, have the life I wanted, what would that life be? 
The dream scenario for me at the moment would be to become a capable adaptive surfer, possibly stand-up surfing alongside the kneeboarding, to grow chopped into a profitable lifestyle brand and to create a movement that promotes strength through vulnerability, which at its heart is, as Blind Boy says, about sign, about soundness and kindness. Alongside this, continue the podcast and possibly, as one of the pod's listeners suggested, how about a motivational speaker as a future career? It's really flattering that people suggest something along those lines. But much like when a few people suggested doing a podcast, my initial thought is I can't do that. Who'd listen to me? A few years ago in my previous previous life as a primary school teacher, by virtue of being a man and a man who likes sport, I was the PE coordinator. Now in my role as PE coordinator, every year I'd attend a PE conference. Every year they'd have a different speaker. One year it was Maggie Alfonsi, an England rugby international, and she was brilliant and spoke about how sport, primarily playing rugby, changed the course of her life for the better. But the speaker who had the most profound effect on me, and the one I think back to a lot now, and obviously I can't remember his name, was a guy who'd lost both his legs due to meningitis. His presentation began with clips of him rollerblading, pre the meningitis, and he was a shit-hot rollerblader. Then came the meningitis and the amputation of his both his legs. Not phased by it, he took up wheelchair rugby, which I believe they call murder ball. And he got good enough at it to represent England at international level, and he showed some clips of him playing. I remember he most enjoyed the clips of him smashing into Americans. It won't surprise you to know that by the end I was welling up, tears in my eyes. I left that conference thinking, wow. What a guy to have dealt with such a shitty hand the way you have. Truly, truly inspirational. I'll be honest, I'd love to do something along those lines. That's the dream. But at present, it is just that, a dream. And as it stands, none of those things I've mentioned generate anywhere near enough income to pay the bills. Which means I will have to return to work with my current employer in some capacity... Sadly, it won't be doing my previous job, a job I did enjoy, but a job that I can no longer do due to the amputation. Career-wise, I have no real idea as to where I'm going. If you follow me on Instagram, at the one Arm surfer, and you took the time to look at my stories, you might know I took my son up to Birmingham over the weekend to see the Hot Wheels Monster Truck Live Party which was an experience. I'd say it was 60% the North American compare shouting and getting overexcited and 40% action. The monster trucks were amazing examples of mechanical engineering, but I think the highlight for both myself and my boy was the motocross bikes, and they were unbelievable, doing massive airs and all manner of tricks, and the backflips, they were just properly impressive. I've never been to Birmingham and I've got to be honest, I was pleasantly surprised. I never knew Birmingham has more miles of canal than Venice. And the walk from our hotel to the arena was lovely. Now I'm not sure if that's a great description, lovely. But the areas around the canals that have been regenerated were, yep, you got it, lovely. 
for a good few weeks, I was feeling really energised, sort of energised by the approval of my business plan, seeing that through to fruition and the subsequent awarding of the grant, energised through setting up the website, you know the one, www.thechopshop.com, selling my own branded product, energised through getting back in the sea and starting the journey of relearning to surf and through doing this podcast that I've actually done it, that people have listened and for the kind words and comments. And at this point, I'd like to give a shout out to DH Photography, who was contemplating getting a riding board out to practice the adapted duck diving technique I spoke about in last week's pod. And for her purchase from, you ready for it? www.thechopshop.com. So thank you very much, Dee. And definitely check her out on Instagram if you're a photography fan. There's some great images on her page um, and she takes some brilliant pictures of surfers as well. So definitely check her out at DH Photography on Insta. So further thanks go out to all those who visited and made a purchase from, do I need to say it again, www.thechopshop.com. Genuinely, I am properly grateful and appreciative to everyone who supported me. And it's a great feeling seeing the emails from the website hosts that say, nice. You just got an order. It's energising and it's fulfilling. And I'd like to thank all those who've ordered. It's really humbling. There's new stock arriving this week, as you might have seen on my Instagram stories, taking over the bottom half of the house. And it includes some brighter, more vibrant colours, which people did ask for in the market research. So if you've been on the site and not seen anything so far that tickles your fancy, you might find something you like in the new arrivals. I won't plug the website again. However, saying all that, it does feel like over the last few weeks I'm coming to the end of this part of the journey and there's an uncertainty around where I go from here. My statutory sick pay has now ended, so that protective financial bubble I've been living in for the best part of six months now has in a way burst. And as I've just said, if I could live the dream, it would be amazing if being an adaptive surfer, a podcaster, a motivational speaker with a small clothing brand paid the bills. But the reality reality is it doesn't. Anyway, at least not for the moment. So I'm really not sure where I go from here. And that uncertainty does lead to anxiety. And at the moment, that anxiety is weighing quite heavily on my mind. So this might all seem like a series of random comments in no way linked, but if you can bear with me, I am moving toward trying to tie all these strands together and getting to the point of this week's pod, which I think is to focus on gratitude. Now, the greatest sadness I have in my life is the separation I have from my children. I don't want to get into the details of that or the finer points other than to say it saddens me when I'm separated from them. And I don't think I truly found the person I was or wanted to be until my daughter was born. Her birth changed me for the better and at least I think she made me be a better person. And many of the happiest moments I've had in my life have been with my daughter and subsequently my son. And I do genuinely love my children. So while my boy and I were away at some point, and I can't remember how it came up in conversation, he said something along the lines of, I don't like it when people, meaning the kids in his class, ask me why my daddy only has one arm. Ask me why my daddy only has one arm. 
And this was one of my greatest concerns prior to surgery, the effect it would have on my children. I knew I had two options once I was made aware of the severity of my situation. It was die with two arms or have a life with one arm. So there wasn't really any choice. I didn't want my children to grow up having to deal with the loss of the dad. But I also don't want them to get teased. Or, as my boy is having to contend with now, getting questioned about why his dad is different. Why his dad has only got one arm. And I guess through winter where you're wearing a coat, it isn't that obvious. But now spring's here and it's warming up. And I'm either wearing a sweater or a hooded top or the other day I just had a t-shirt on. There's no hiding the fact that I've got one arm. And I know from my daughter that she did get some shit when she told people, from people she thought were her friends. And she told me one instance where she told a boy who she'd stuck up for on the school bus numerous times that I had cancer. And he said to her, boo-hoo, is your daddy dying? So I'm glad that she's kicked that friendship into touch, if I'm honest. So after my boy told me, he subsequently asked me if I'd come into his class to tell people. A few pods back, in the episode I titled Telling People, I mentioned how hard it was telling my children. My daughter was old enough to be able to understand the words, the language that I was telling her. Not that it made it any easier, but my boy was only just five when I had to tell him. Now, both my children and my wife's daughter have dealt with what has happened incredibly, unbelievably well. And I know from the way they are with me that they don't see anything other than their dad. Or, and I hate this term, stepdad. But they don't. And I'm unbelievably grateful that it's not affected my relation. That it's not affected my relationship with them or how they see me. So once my boy had gone into school, there was a a female outside where his class is. So I, I wandered over and I said, oh, are you a TA here or a... A teacher and uh, she said no I'm the deputy head I was like oh okay um, but she happened to be on the playground and I explained to her that my son had asked if I come into class to tell people why I've only got one arm so she said she'd arrange for me to come in if I was happy to do so being an ex-teacher I don't mind talking to a class of children I walked off the playground pretty much holding back the tears really And straight away, I'm going over in my head how I'm going to explain to a class of year ones, a group of five and six year olds, why I've only got one arm. And I think the only way I can do it is to try and replicate how I told my son. And I'd gone over and over in my head what I'd say to my son. And I think this is eventually what came out, or at least it was similar to this. I need to tell you something something that's going to be difficult for you to understand as you're only five, you're only a little boy. But I've got something nasty growing inside me, something that, if it's not taken out, is going to kill me. Now, they can get it out, but the only problem is, to get it all out, they're going to have to amputate my arm. Now, you won't have heard the word amputate before, but it means I'm only going to have one arm. I'm going to be a one-armed daddy. So reading it back, it's not ideal, but what would be? In his class, I thought I'd try and make it a bit more light-hearted or as light-hearted as is possible. Sort of by asking them, firstly, if they notice anything different about me, see what responses that elicits. 
and then by asking them what they think might have happened and see what responses we get back there, sort of bitten off by a shark or lost it wrestling crocodiles. I'm hoping they come up with some interesting answers, something exciting. But what I really don't want to do is terrify a class of young children. And I've thought on this a lot over the last few days. I also think I'll tell them about how brave my boy has been. Coming to see me in hospital four days after the op and the Percy pigs he brought me in. And I can't not mention here the homemade flapjacks that my daughter brought in for me. And I love those with my morning brew on the ward. As an aside, it feels like I'm sort of shoehorning this in here a little. But on Monday after school, we went swimming to a local holiday park that's got a brilliant pool with a good selection of water slides. And it's, it's one of the advantages of living down here in a holiday town that half the time, all these facilities that are built for holidaymakers have very few people in them. So you've got, the, you've got free range over, over these wonderful facilities. Um, but it was at the top of one of these water slides just over 12 months ago that I found the lump in my neck. And as we were about to set off down the slide, my boy said to me, this is where you found the lump in your neck, isn't it, Dad? I didn't know that he knew that's where I found it, but obviously he did. Anyway, I've massively digressed there, gone off on a total tangent. So I'd left the school playground. I get home from the school run, and my wonderful wife asked me if my boy went into school okay, and I just started crying. Now, my wife is one of the most compassionate, caring people that you could ever ask to meet, and I'm blessed to have had her by my side over the last 12 months. So I've returned home from the school run, I've cried on my wife's shoulder, I've cried to myself, I've phoned the DVLA regarding the driving assessment, cried some more, and then I wasn't entirely sure what to do with myself. So as I hadn't watched Match of the Day from the weekend, I thought I'd catch up on the football and give myself some time just to be, just to get my head together. But in searching for Match of the Day, I stumbled across um, a Storyville, which is a documentary series that the BBC do. And this one was about Deborah James, bowel babe, in her own words. I know I've mentioned Deborah James and a rebellious hope movement in the episode in which I spoke about tribes and how I first became aware of her in the weeks leading up to my operation. In those days, I was shit scared that I might not make it out of surgery alive. And her words, that she was afraid to go to sleep in case she didn't wake up, really resonated with me. Now, I know a couple of viewers, viewers, sorry, listeners, have said they enjoyed the tea slurping in the previous episode. So I'm just going to do, this is a can of kombucha. So, ready, here we go. That's better. That's better. Anyway, finally, bringing it back round to podcasts and gratitude. I was aware of the podcast, You, Me and the Big C, a podcast Deborah James did with fellow cancer, fellow cancer patients, Laura Mahon and Rachel Bland, who were all diagnosed with cancer in their 30s. Now, I've never listened to it. In much the same way I initially hung off watching Breaking Bad as the catalyst for the story is Walter White being diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, and we all know there's no stage 5, I suppose this is because cancer-based narratives are a bit too close to home for me, too close to the trauma of 20-odd years ago and the pain of my first cancer experience. And I guess with you, me and the big C, I wasn't sure... Sorry, the kombucha's repeating on me a little bit now. 
I wasn't sure if I'd have been able to handle the emotions it would have stirred up. And those were feelings and emotions that had laid buried dormant for well over two decades. So cancer took Rachel Bland's life, as it did Deborah James's last year. But watching Story Phil has made me feel lucky, lucky that today cancer hasn't taken my life. Yes, it's taken my arm, but as it stands, my family, my parents, my wife and our kids aren't having to deal with what the families of those not as fortunate as I have been are having to deal with. If you've not watched this story, they'll watch it. <clears throat> it will make you realise what a gift life is. Early into, the docu- early into the documentary, she says, the thing you need to know about any types of cancer is that you're never too young. And you don't really know how to get through each day. You don't really know how you're going to put one foot in front of the other. But somehow you do. And this made me think back to a message I received from an old school pal maybe a week ago. Who wrote, I'm sure there will be more ups and downs but fuck me I'm impressed. I think I would have folded seriously. But it's like Deborah James said and it's a sentiment I'd echo. You don't know how you'll get through each day or how you're going to put one foot in front of the other but you do and when I think back to that moment the first time they made mention of the far right possibility being I might lose my arm I'd have never thought never in a million years that I'd have been able to cope with the loss of my arm never watching the the way Deborah James handled her terminal cancer diagnosis is inspiring What a remarkable human being to have dealt with everything that she had thrown at her the way she did. With dignity, with humour and unbelievable stoicism. It's nothing short of incredible. I watched it it twice the other day and I've I've watched it sort of in, in bits over the last few days. And as I said, it's given me a real sense of perspective of how lucky I am. Lucky that I still get time. Lucky that I still get to spend time with those I love, that I still get to do the things I like and that I don't go to bed fearful that I might not wake up. It'll probably come as no surprise to know that once again, by the end I was crying. Not to labour the point, but watch it. There's a line midway through where she speaks about a time as a gymnast in her younger days and how it taught her resilience. And she says, you never end on a fall. You always get back up. And I think that's such a wonderful philosophy. Oh, and I think that's a wonderful philosophy. I can't say it. And I think that's a wonderful philosophy to have for life. And what I've taken from Deborah James's story is to be grateful. Grateful for your health. Grateful for time with those you love. Doing the things you enjoy. And I know my good buddy at BWJ Artist is a big believer in writing a daily gratitude list. So I'm getting toward the end of this episode, but I can't sign off without a surf update. So a big part of my journey is obviously to get back surfing. And I've been in twice this week, which I'll update you on shortly. But it's nice when I receive messages from you, the listeners. And one such message I received read, did you see my SUP post on Insta? Your pods inspired me to try the water. And that's brilliant. I absolutely love that. I really do. And for those of you who aren't up on their water sports abbreviations, SUP, or SUP, stands for Stand Up Paddleboarding. Now, I was sworn against it. 
until I tried it and I immediately enjoyed it. And if you've never tried it and you get the opportunity, I'd definitely give it a go. It's very cruisy, very leisurely, and it's a really nice way of slowing down. So at the start of the week, I got in with the lad who lives sort of next door, comes and goes a bit. Uh, but he works for the LTA. And last year he was coaching William and Kate and their offspring at one of the royal houses. He was teaching them to play tennis. So a bit more name dropping there. But me and him got in and it was small, maybe two foot. And it's that that is what I've learned. That is the absolute perfect size for me at the moment. But I got about eight waves and I was getting to my knees on most of them. But I took a good few wipeouts as well. But I, And I got my first right. So and I was so excited that I started cheering myself as I'm going down the face of it. You but as I did, the wave broke and sent me absolutely flying. Uh but I left the water feeling happy on Monday. And then yesterday I got in in what weren't great conditions as the wind was from the north, which makes the waves a bit crumbly, but I had my best, most consistent surf to date. Got a similar wave count to the Monday. The only difference this time was that I didn't stack any of the takeoffs. I got to my, I got up to my knees riding every time, both lefts and rights. And I even managed a bit of a top turn on one of them. And there may be some photographic evidence to share of this surf in the coming days or possibly weeks. Um, but when I get those images, I'll hopefully share them over the usual social media channels. So I'm going to sign off this episode with a big plug for the sponsored walk we're doing from Newquay to Padstow, 26 miles along the coastal path to raise money for Sarcoma UK. And I'm going to end with a quote from Deborah James. And she said, over the last five years, I've campaigned, I've spoken about awareness. I've shared my story for a reason, the laughs, the giggles, showing that you can live with cancer. But ultimately, what I really want to happen is... I don't want any other Debras to go through this. And I think for me, that's why I want to walk the 26 miles from Newquay to Padstow. And I've just touched wood there. One of the reasons I want to do it is because I'm healthy enough to do so. And two, because I don't want other people to have to go through what I've been through, having bits of the body chopped off as a result of cancer. <clears throat> and this is the thing with sarcomas. There's no telltale signs that you've got it. <clears throat> they're notoriously hard to detect and to treat. I've got a bit of a frog in my throat, sorry. <clears throat> a bit more kombucha. Um, yeah, so they're notoriously hard to detect and they're also notoriously hard to treat. Proper sly bastards. If you'd like to join us on the walk, get in touch. really is a case of more the merrier and there's some really decent people doing it. Um, but if you can't make the walk but you would like to support us, you can find links to our Just Giving page on my Facebook and my Instagram. Or alternatively, if you search Just Giving, type in the big wonder Nukita Padstow. So with that, as always, thank you for giving your time to listen. And find the time to hug and give the ones you love, as my boy sometimes says, a special smoochie. Thank you. I hope you all have a lovely week. Go steady. I'm out.